and click. Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. How's it going, man? <laughs> yeah, good, huh? Yeah, it's just, you know, life is, life is, you know, ups and downs. I mean, not a down, just, uh, you know, once you hit bottom, you sort of skip along. No, I'm I don't want to make this sound where it says, no, it's just, it's hot and my apartment's not cooling very well and uh, I spend a lot of my time yeah. there and... My air conditioner can't keep up, and then when it can, my power bill is through the roof, and our pets' heads are falling off. No. So. I think you say that every show. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. We all yeah. live Dumb and Dumber. It's okay. Yep. Um, yeah. Speaking of heat, I've got- How are you? I've got, I've got the cutout uh, in my office from air conditioner, but I don't have the air conditioner in there yet. Yeah. So every time I do, I've been doing wiring all week, and I'm dedicated circuits, like I've been talking about. I've been finishing off wiring drops in the shop. Um, I hate copper thieves because the price of copper is insane. Oh, I um, thought you were going to say you got robbed. I was like, we can do something about that. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. No, and so I've been adding 20-amp um, circuits for all 20-amp outlets. The entire garage has 20-amp outlets, So not, and the, all the lights are 15. And running those those lines, which are, again, 12-2 across the shop, is probably, I've probably got easily 1500 bucks on wiring in the shop now. And it is, because I don't have the air conditioning up there yet, it's, a it's like, oh, it's nice and cool. The bottom of the shop, it's like 65, 70 degrees. Top of the shop, 90 every single time. So you, I, meant to, I, said, I saw your office, and we, we will show people mm-hmm. eventually, but where you're going to put the air conditioner, how did you put a hole on the outside to make that work? Th- does it go all the way through the... I haven't oh, you, put it in there yet, but you just cut through it. Oh, you're just going to cut window. through it. Okay, yeah, all, right, yeah. all right, fair enough. I was like, <laughs> for some reason in my mind, I'm like, we're going to have to get a cherry... You're going to get a cherry picker and get up there? Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to do a mini split. I want okay. to in the shop, and it might later, but right now, no. I've got a lot of insulating and drywalling to do. Sure. Um, Excuse me, but the um, yeah, the hot water's in, as you noticed. Uh, I did. That was very nice. Uh, you know, I I did some cleanup on my when I was there to do some some things, and um, I kind of was running the water, and then forgot that there wasn't a drain, so I had to figure that out and how to get the bucket out of there. But then I re- then I remember that you can pick up the sink, so it was okay. Everything I figured it out, but like I yeah, did, I did fill that bucket. So what I need your help with tomorrow is we are going to cut out that massive uh, four by eight sheet for yes. the backsplash there. Yeah. And then I will permanently mount the sink, the hot water heater, and then put you it. You got in. the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I can finish doing the drain. I'm just waiting until like I said. Yeah. I just was. I was. Wa- so long story short, Dan was out of town. I went to wash my car uh, on the new driveway. I don't know if I'm the first car. It was very. You nice. are. You're the first car to ever wash. I appreciate there. it. And I, I, I even cleaned my side of the driveway. I couldn't move Shauna's car, but I was talking to Nora the whole month, and I'm, I'm working on the hot water and, and getting hot water in the bucket. And then I realized, like, I was like. I'm hearing water splash a little bit. And I'm like, oh, there's a bucket. Like, the, the drain's not set up yet. So, well, you didn't flood the shop, so it's all good. No, no, no. I caught it very quickly. Like, it was, but yeah. So, yeah. So, it's constant shop mode. And I'm still constantly doing stuff. I've also done some fun stuff, though. I got more hummingbird feeders. I see. There's a lot. Okay. <laughs> we haven't talked about the hummingbird. I'm glad that you let your uh, forced labor go home for a, a little while. Yeah. But uh, the hummingbird storm will the return. The hummingbird storm will return. Downtown. Okay. That's good. Yep. You and your birds, huh? I bet they're actually. I'm. I'm wondering. I was wondering about that if they were a little like mad because you, you haven't had the stuff up. Well, I put up all those feeders and I have birds everywhere. Did you put you put them up? I, you put additional up. feeders up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant you put them up. Period. I was like, hummingbirds have to be mad. They was like, <laughs> we were eating here last year. Where is this restaurant? In earlier yeah. episodes of the show, when we used to record it on the deck, you used to be able to hear the hummingbirds go by the microphones. Mm-hmm. It's like a little racetrack with hummingbirds. It was great. Uh, a yeah. little armor on, we'd make them joust. No, that would be so cool. Right. I mean, we're jousting. Yeah, it should be like there's got to be some fantasy novel where they I'm do that. Sure. Yeah, and definitely. Anyway, like fern gully running, <laughs> riding hummingbirds. Yeah, there's a new fern gully live action. So yet you can watch another version of Avatar and Pocahontas. Well, technically you can just write another, watch another version of Fern. Why have an original idea? Okay, keep continue the spiral, Disney or whatever that one is. I don't know. They're all going down. 
Anyway, get off your soapbox. Yeah. yeah. We're getting ready for the monkey trip. That's coming up. Oh. So we are going to go be Oompa Loompas in the forest in Idaho pretty soon. I can't wait for that. I've got the parts piling up. I need to Me do too. I need to do some work and I need to I need to buy some tires from you too. I think I'm going to the tires. I think the tires are done. Okay, I have extra. I have extra snow on know. the shelf. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Take like, those. I, I went for a ride uh, this weekend, and I was just going through some corners, and I was not fast, but I was just noticing there was some slippage. And I, was like, I was like, you know, <laughs> close to t- 2,700 miles on these tires. It's probably time that's, for new tires. That's yeah. a lot for a monkey. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mean, amazing. Well, I. So I have this new thing where I every once in a while I've done it now twice. I'm like I'm gonna go for a ride and then I end up riding around Lake Washington. Yeah, <laughs> like all the way in the, along the water there and on the, on the other side and it's a lot of fun. But it's just you know it's a 90 mile round trip. So that's, that's so much on a yeah. tiny bike. <laughs> yeah. It's a little it's a little t- it's a lot of fun. I mean I, lot, I mean it takes a while because everybody wants to stop and talk. So yeah, which is cool. Um, I actually want to tell a quick monkey story. Okay. So I decided to go out for a little ride this weekend. And I was out there between Redmond and Fall City. You know where those baseball fields are right there? Yeah, of course. So I was coming in the back way. I was coming back out from Carnation. Uh-huh. And I'm getting up to that tee right before the baseball. And there's a, some, a guy on a motorcycle sitting in the middle of the road. Like, And it's out there. It makes sense because it's like there's nothing out there. And I go to creep by slowly, and it's a dude on a blue monkey. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> What are you doing? He's like, and he is dressed from head to toe. I mean, he was so protected. And I was, and I was laughing. I was like, dude, you don't have to wear all that protective gear. It's good. I was like, but it's a monkey. If something happens, stand up. He was laughing. He was, he was a new monkey owner. Uh. I believe his name was Chris. We, we talked for quite a while, obviously, um, because he was a big guy like me. And, and was, then there's your bike. And he's my bike. Yeah. And he's like, like, oh, yeah, I love your suspension. I was like, oh, is your suspension a little slagging? It's like, yeah. So I was like, well, that's because it's not built for anybody our size. It's built for like a person a third of our size. So it was great to be see one out in the, out in uh, the wild he, his was fully stocked and so obviously he's like can i take pictures of your bike and i was like cool yeah and i mean just two guys riding monkeys in the middle of a cornfield well yeah this doesn't seem weird at all so yeah so yeah, but, yeah it was good yeah so that's a good ride man yeah, yeah I've, i haven't had much time to ride a strip <laughs> well you were gone this weekend or i would have taken you i would have called yeah. you but yeah so i'm uh, modifying the trailer for that trip as well I'm gonna redo the sides, the tie downs for all three. We need a trailer. I forgot about that. Yeah, we get all the. We could put like one in the back and two in the trailer, but I figured I would just put them all in the trailer. Yeah, can you? <laughs> so yeah, good to know. All right, yeah, fair enough. I mean, okay. Well, then we need to modify the trailer. What? What? what are, yeah. Okay. That's so easy. I'm gonna do some just reinforced tie down points so I can fit three more comfortably without them rubbing up against each other. Okay. Like dirt bikes, you don't really care about that. You're just gonna shove them in there. Good enough. Two scratch on the plastics. That doesn't matter. But with our bikes, what about clean. what about the big bikes we're gonna put in there too? Right. Brian just has to keep up. Yeah. Okay. I could put like two on top of the rack, one in the bed, and then two bikes in the trailer. I think we could put one facing forward in the the bed of the truck and two facing backwards with the handlebars down. I think we could get three monkeys in the back of your truck. Oh, I know we could. I'm just saying. So put some pillows between them. Call it a day. Absolutely. Yeah. Monkey pillows. Yeah. Uh, Well, anyway, we're getting ready for this trip. Brings us to our Carter Automotive Group tip of the week. Um, sort of a again not this the carter tip is a you know it's a they're a sponsor of the show this tip is about another company and they are not a sponsor but it's something i use frequently because i do a lot of trips with friends it's a you know not just between my girlfriend and i but like you know in groups i we've done a lot of that over the years we use an app called splitwise and the reason i'm talking about this is because a lot of you go on these trips and you spend all this time splitting checks or trying to like make sure everybody's paid their way um if you want to keep say that Contracts keep friends. Also, making sure your debts are known keeps friends. And one of the things Splitwise does is you basically make a group and then you can add your expenses in it. So like if we go to a restaurant, like you do, you can be the group of three, six, 20 and be like, one check's fine. 
And then you come up and everybody puts in the totals or you split it up equally. Like if you aren't that uptight, like everybody you go to, you go to a place here, but you all get like three drinks, you know, between yeah. three people. I mean, not to yourselves, unless you're walking, whatever. I won't judge that. Um, but then you can just put it in there. tangent there. Yeah. Didn't you? Anyway, I would encourage people to drink and drive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you can just put it in there and be like, yeah, split equally. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, a buck or two. We don't care about the buck or two. This isn't about getting nickel and dimed. It's just like trying to keep people all engaged then it's like hey hit settle up and you're done and this is just a really convenient way to track those expenses on a road trip and i it's fantastic for traveling and keeping things split but i use it constantly for everything so So side note dan set this up today and through our what and he set it up and he invited himself and he invited me and then he put the total of what the trip was going to be and and brian hadn't been in there yet and all of a sudden i get this it's like you owe dan 500 i was like whoa i was like oh brian's back Yeah, but it was really neat. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only limitation. It it has to connect to PayPal or Venmo, um, so you have to have one of those. But I always say, make it easy to get paid. So I'm on like everything. I've got like you know, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. You name it, you can pay me any way you want. I can take payments in any shape or form. So it's no big deal for me. Uh, If you got a problem with that, whatever. Make yourself make it easy for yourself to get paid. Anyway, check it out if you do a lot of this stuff with friends. You're just trying to like make things easier on your server, and you know you want to score points with your waitress. Yeah, don't split the check. Or waiter. And so basically what, what we're going to do with the monkey is like basically Dan will, Dan's driving, he will, he will pay for all the gas and then he will put the gas in the app and it will split it up and then we'll tell P- Brian and I exactly how much we owe him. Exactly. So it just so, yeah. keeps things super simple. It keeps things moving. Don't yeah. have to worry about it. He will collect before we come home to make sure that. We, right. Or I'll leave you in Idaho. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Worst place left. So, yeah. <laughs> so. All right. We do have a guest with us this week and um, Chris Owens is the official photographer of the Indianapolis 500. Um, what is your official title, Chris? And welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Also, I got to say, you guys talking about building these bathrooms and plumbing and all this trailer. You got some handy guys. You know that? Yeah, we she doesn't find a handsome. She like should find a handy. I love red green. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to be fair. Carl said that we were getting Chris Evans. I thought we were talking to Captain America, so I'm a little disappointed, uh, but that's okay. America's so ass on the show today. Um, <laughs> but no, my, my position, I am the manager of photography um, for Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar Series. And for one month of the year, you live at the Speedway, basically. Oh, man, it feels like it. I I put in a lot of uh, – yes, I live there. I put in a lot of um, – <laughs> 16-hour days, 14-hour days, 12-hour days out there at the track in May feel pretty good. I can do that all day. Nice 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. is like a breeze. Wow. Okay. So we kind of always go back with our guests. Like, I mean, obviously, cars and photography are, are the big are the big topics here. Have you always been a car person and been into photography, or is that something you've sort of grown into? Yeah, you know, it's um, I'm really privileged that it, it, it is a very uh, even mix. So, you know, growing up, I really loved car racing and cars, um, got into, uh, NHRA drag racing and NASCAR as a kid, uh, just, just to start off. And then, uh, at that same time, you know, we're talking seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, started going to these races as well as basketball games and just city fairs and events. And I was always handed that disposable camera as kind of a probably something to keep me busy, but those uh, mixing together kind of just formed a passion that's really, that was just equal, that both grew together. Uh, Yeah. Have you always been a photographer then? Has this been like just your your whole life? Yeah, so that's a funny story. I really have. Um, 
I'm 34 years old, but as a kid, you know, once again, like we we're just saying, seven, eight, nine, started playing with disposable cameras and um, really loved that. I, I still have some like film negatives of taking pictures of my toys and stuff as a kid. And then, you know, into junior high and high school, uh, you know, was lucky enough for one Christmas, you know, the whole family, that's all I got. Everybody pulled in their money and got me this one digital SLR, uh, which really, uh, you know, made everything take off for me. But I have always been a photographer, uh, really kind of shocked myself uh, when I started to actually wanted to get into, you know, communications and radio like we're doing right now. But uh, where I went to high school, they make you write a letter to yourself in fourth grade and they give it to you your last day of school. And, you know, I'm thinking about getting into radio and I'm lined up to go to college for that. And then I get this letter that none of us remember writing to ourselves and I start going through it. And reading it, and for some reason, as a fourth grader, I said I wanted to be a photographer for Sports Illustrated or ESPN. And huh. at this time, I just gotten this camera six months before this digital SLR because I'm really in love with photography, and and that just cemented my life. From there, from that moment, I said, you know, we're changing this up. I this has been in me. I love to photograph. I love to do it right now. We're going to school for radio, but um, I don't think that's the right idea. I got to change this up. And that's when I changed gears permanently. Wow. What, what, what area did you grow up in? So I'm uh, from Northern Indiana, uh, the oh, okay. uh, Bluffton, Indiana area. It's about 20 minutes South of uh, Fort Wayne. So totally, I mean, small town, we're talking about a town of 10,000 people that uh, is really not surrounded by a single thing for 20 miles. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. It's just like the city dropped in the middle of cornfields. So, um, yeah, it's it's neat for me to get to travel around now at this point in my life and see all the things I've gotten to coming from such a small city. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, when you find a passion, but it very rarely does, you know, your four-year-old or four, fourth grade self tell you what you're going to do in your in your life and be right about it. So that's interesting that you had that foresight to tell yourself that. So, yeah. Yeah, I probably I wanted, should have listened to that kid a little more about some other things. You know, I think he had some good advice. I wanted to work on computers and be a DJ. Did you? There you <laughs> go. Well, I mean, I also we're, we're going to let that one go for now, but we're, we're going to come back to that at, a, at another time. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I don't think, I don't remember. I mean, I think I wanted to do something like it had to be with sharks or orcas or something like that. But I just, yeah, I don't know. But who knows? Nick, the marine biologist. Absolutely. No, probably more of like somebody, you know, in a tank with an orca, an orca, you know, doing something at SeaWorld while those poor animals are suffering. But other than that, you know, (laughs) you know, a big guy dressed in black and white. How can that go bad? (laughs) Chris, uh, what was your first job? Like, actually, did you have another job outside of photography? Oh, totally. Like fast food or something? Oh, yeah, man. So, you know, my uh, mother had worked for, geez, how many years? Over 30 years in the automotive industry and was a, a floor leader at a gas tank factory that did car, um, fuel tanks for GM. We had the, a Corvette line, Nissan, Honda, all that. So, you know, I've, I've always been around an automotive style family. She got me a job there. I lasted like two months working nights. That was horrible. But my real, um, you know, gateway, uh, I guess the, the thing that helped me is, you know, whenever I came to Indianapolis to go to school, uh, you know, that 
I needed to work. Uh, you know, never growing up, we didn't have money. So I had to work, had to work a lot. And I knew to stay sharp, I needed to work around the things I love. And just the closest I could get was actually working at a Best Buy. So I sold cameras um, at Best Buy for years. And, and really what helped me is um, I brought a portfolio in there. I mean, I knew what I was doing. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit this on the counter. I'm going to tell these customers, this is what you can do with your cameras. But really the whole time what I'm doing and thinking is, somebody's going to see these pictures and it's going to lead, it's going to lead me to something out of here. And, um, that is actually what indeed happened there. So yeah, that's, that's actually brilliant though, because if working in a job like that, I mean, people, it's, it's abstract. Maybe some people would think, but it'll keep you up on all the latest technology. Cause if you're selling yeah. cameras, you want to know all that stuff anyway. And this gives you the chance to actually use it and really understand it. Like that's immersion. Oh yeah. They were pissed. I was always taking things out the front door to try them out. Like, yeah, I got to go out front of the parking lot and use this camera and see what this does in the light, you know, <laughs> kind of so, taboo to take the product out of the store. You know what I mean? But I was, I was always, I tell you what, I'm a master of uh indoor retail store photography <laughs> at this point <laughs> from just sitting there and playing with God over the years, hundreds I, and I'm hundreds sure of you cameras. Can- you can take a picture of a Roomba like nobody's business. Damn Funny straight, thing, man. I worked at Best Buy too, and I sold TVs and I sold cameras. I know nothing about either one of them, so I mean, that's the problem <laughs> with probably, that place. You know, yeah, yeah, I'll say. also say that there is a lot about humanity that I learned working at, in retail, and um, I, there's just a lot of things I know about people I wish I didn't. Just the the way they <laughs> right? behave, the things they say, the way they think. Yep. Um, you know, and I swear though, I could sell anything at this point. After I was going to say, job. you probably killed it though on the camera sales because you actually knew what you were talking about. Like you could, you knew exactly how to pair a product with a person. Yeah, yeah, totally. They eventually they did. They, what ended up being the end of it is they moved me to televisions. I switched stores, and they go, "No, we got Steve. He's the, our big camera guy." And I go, uh, "You know, no, he's not. I am." And they're no, like, "No, not. no, he's been working here for a year and a half. He knows it all. You're in TVs." And I did that for like a week and I didn't like what I was doing. I, we had this like point system where like you could retain or you could earn gift cards and stuff. I mm-hmm. went over to the machine. I cashed all that out, had to mail that to my house. And I just walked right out the front door. This yeah. kid was like, Hey, where are you going? I said, I'm going to lunch. He's like, you already took lunch. I was like, see ya forever. And just never yeah. went back. Yeah. I'm going for dessert, which is yeah. not here. His experience went a lot better than how I got, uh, asked to leave best buy but yeah uh, well when i was doing retail for motorcycle stuff i used to take stuff out the door all the time mm-hmm. i'd have the reps come up and i'd get a new helmet in like a brand new model yeah. or gloves or something like that i'm like i'm gonna go try them out i'm gonna go ride up and down the highway see how the sound is i'm gonna know how that that helmet how am i supposed to feet. sell something i don't yeah, know gonna feel the aerodynamics feel i'm gonna see how this jacket feels when i'm leaned over yeah. like i can tell i mean then it was like i knew exactly how to sell something because i had tried everything in the store That's like fair. from fit and finisher perspective and even even performance parts i tried that but they're like you don't need to take a washer and dryer outside <laughs> but you don't understand i need no <laughs> but no I, I knew yeah. nothing about cameras and i had the kind of the situation where they put me in cameras i knew nothing i was very honest about that i knew a little bit about tvs i learned about tvs but i was not i'm, I'm people would come in and be like we're going on vacation i was like just just buy this little Sony. I'm like, I'm sure it's good. The screen's nice. Like, it's, you know, I knew nothing. I felt, I kind of feel bad because it's like they, they throw you into a position that you're not supposed to, 
you don't know they don't train you enough so i don't want to bash best buy i mean i like best buy but it's we've all it, been to best buy yeah okay there we go so. <laughs> yes so it's the one guy who knows everything about where he's at and then the rest of them they're like i don't know i just started yesterday exactly <laughs> so what i mean as growing up what were you taking photos of oh yeah yeah so you know i i'm really I will start by saying I wish I'd shot so much more because I just didn't know what my path was going to be with it. But I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of the things I did shoot. Uh, you know, first off, the obvious stuff: car races. We were going to the U.S. Nationals here in Indianapolis and in HRA drag racing, um, Pacers, Indiana Pacers basketball games, things like that. But really, what's kind of surprises me is, you know, more importantly, even at like 11, 12 years old. I have some really cool pictures um, of my grandmother and my sister, of my mom, that are just with a little crappy, at the time, who knows what they would have been, $8, uh, 35 millimeter disposable. So I have a lot of neat things like that. And then in high school is when it really, you know, started uh, taking off for me. And I realized that these moments and times with my friends are going to be, you know, things I I really want to look back on. So I have a lot of you know, film 35 millimeter negs of, uh, you know, my best friends at that time, house parties we were throwing, us out on the go-kart, us out at the pond, uh, just things like that. And, you know, that really spiraled into more when I got to high school. When I got to high school, uh, they had, you know, they offered a photography class and I was over the moon about it. Uh, The one thing that was unique is they had just the year I got to high school moved from film photography to digital. So, you know, that's kind of in retrospect, a good thing too, because today kids learn digital photography so much quicker. I feel like than I, I and my peers ever can, because they've started with it with day one, you know, yeah. uh, whereas that's something the first seven, eight years of my life shooting never was thought of, but, you know, just shooting photos of friends and things like that. And then, uh, getting into high school, you know, I, was never, for some reason, never in yearbook or newspaper <laughs> class, but I was like their main contributor, which is like totally my style because it's super low commitment. I just do whatever I want and just submit you the photos and go, yeah, there you go. There, you know, <laughs> here you go. I don't know. Don't tell me to do anything. Use them if you like them. And they always did. So uh, it didn't just turn into sporting events. Uh, and then it eventually reached a point where like everything, I, I just had a few years of my life. I don't know. 17 to 25 i just have photos of everything <laughs> I, I mean it everything I just shot i just shot 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 so like a lot of us when we have uh, when we have hobbies and things like that we find people that do that hobby and we take after them were you looking and at other photographers and trying to 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 see how they did things and or were you sort of a self-taught person where you were you know kind of messing with the camera and seeing what happens yeah that's interesting i i would say definitely a combination of a couple things so you know, I saw, I would look at a lot of photographs, but at that time in my life, it's so young, I didn't really realize what it took to achieve them. I didn't realize as many of the technical skills. I didn't know anything about studio lights. And I, now looking back, a lot of the things I was looking at, um, were done studio wise. And, you know, they weren't, the funny thing is I never have, I feel like I never have completely matched up to the style that I enjoy. Uh, really the things I really liked were like uh, an artist, a photographer, David LaChapelle. He's incredible with studio lights and uses all these crazy colors. He's known for like basically setting up uh, 
music video sets and things like that, which really, you know, when you think about it, have nothing to do with car racing and where I've ended up. But um, yeah, a combination of looking at those kind of photos that have nothing to do with car racing growing up, I think have added into my style. And then another thing, you know, that I'd say in that same regard with the camera and, and the technical skills of, uh, you know, making these pictures would really be my, my first camera uh, that I received. You know, I had an old film camera and we had all the I had all these film lenses for it. Well, I stuck with that family of camera Pentax brand. I, I bought the di- we got the digital Pentax because I thought of those lenses would match up. Well, what I learned immediately devastated from day one was that those lenses would go on the camera, but there were 50 year old camera lenses. They wouldn't talk to the camera. <laughs> so then right. all of a sudden, you know, that's kind of, I feel like early in my life, what made me an outlier. I had to learn, I couldn't do what all the other kids at school were doing where they turned their camera to auto. If I wanted to take pictures, I had to go full manual. I had to learn every bit of shutter speed, aperture, ISO, light sensitivity, exposure comp. And I, I had for years, four years of my life, I had no auto mode. So I, I think that kind of cemented a little bit of helping me really understand the camera. That's interesting. I, I, I through the photographers I met and Carl and people like that. I feel it's a little bit like the car world where some, you know, there's Chevy guys, Ford guys, and there's, there's Sony guys, Canon guys, things like that. Yeah. What are you shooting on now out of curiosity? Yeah. You know, I've bounced around with a little bit of everything. Uh, Shot Nikon for many years and really enjoyed oh, that, um, you know, for quite a while. And then, you know, as kind of tech was changing uh, into this whole, the, so first off, I'll say the cameras have changed. They used to be these mechanical shuttered digital SLRs, as they were referred to. And basically, they're just an upgrade of an old, you know, Canon AE1 old, or Pentax K1000, but with a digital chip in them. And then a few years ago, you know, the what is known as mirrorless cameras have really taken off and now are the 100% industry standard. And although I was shooting Nikon and enjoyed that, a Canon really took off in that uh, realm early. And it was very obvious that some of the other brands were slipping. Sony and Canon were really hot on it quick. Yeah. And, you know, I decided to try something else out. Uh, so I, you know, I moved the Canon direction and also, you know, was really surprised to find that Canon's like professional support is incredible. Uh, what I say, what I mean when I say professional support, that's the team of people that professionals get a hold of when they have an issue or they need to, let's say they say, Hey, I want to borrow something to try it out. Cause I might want to buy it. And I don't want to make a $20,000 investment on day one. So we're, we're Nikon really didn't have a good setup for that. So switch to Canon. And then the most exciting thing that I found along the way about Canon is, Conveniently at my switch, they really uh, took off in motorsport big time and in a big way. They have um, now in the Canon cameras basically a automotive recognition system. So as soon as I huh. point this camera at a picture of a car, it woo, locks a box on it instantly and can identify it's a car, um, which is incredible cool. for focusing. So, you know, there's still whenever you're shooting, you know. You may, if you're shooting at a slow shutter speed, you might not catch the car, but the, the car, the camera focuses on the car every time. And that's really important for me, obviously shooting 
240 mile an hour indie cars on the front stretch at ims so uh for me it's a no-brainer and it's it's something i at first wasn't sure about and have learned to uh i don't know i couldn't do it any other way you said you like to photograph everything and i was looking through your instagram that's me that's why i'm on my phone i'm not ignoring you yeah i'm going through your, your instagram and you really do like you have it's uh, i'm not eclectic i mean it's obviously focused it's, but it's it's not just cars going around a track i think that's a <laughs> a lot of photographers fall into that but i mean um no you've got i mean a lot of people, a lot of like uh, just really detailed images. It, it's really, I'm going to say you don't have a style, but at the same time, like your, your images are extremely varied. You definitely don't have just the same thing. You're not repetitive. <laughs> that's what I'm trying yes. to get at. It's honestly, it's, that's kind of something that I've been tossing around a lot lately too. I, I, I kind of did a little case study this last year on my Instagram where I kind of did a, some polls and asked, you know, our IndyCar fans and just fans of my photography, what do you like to see? And, um, it's hands down cars. That's what they want to see, but it's so hard for me because the people are so interesting and the objects are so interesting. And, and, you know, like right there, I, I finally had to create a new outlet for, it. I, I actually have a separate Instagram where I don't do it. I post nothing car racing to it. It's, it's all just oh. people and objects and things, and it's never things at the racetrack. So, I'm really just in love with photography, making an image, sharing a story, uh, and and really people are my favorite. I, it went from something so hard for me to photograph growing up um, because getting close to someone with a camera, especially a stranger, is so intimate and you really feel like you're taking something from them. But I've, I've really gotten good at finding ways to go up and talk to strangers and comfort them on making a picture of them. Uh, and yeah, I, I noticed that too. I, I do post a lot of people. I, and that's okay. Cause that's what I like to do. Uh, there's so many more stories, you know, uh, people are just interesting to me. How do you walk somebody and ask to take their picture? How does that, how does that conversation uh, go? It's tough. So it just depends, right? Um, you know, something that comes to mind is there was just this, I was in Austin a few years ago. This one just comes to mind. Um, Austin, Texas, super just weathered old man. All right. Just wrinkled up leather skin, smoking a cigarette, playing a little guitar. And I was like, oh, I gotta have this guy's picture. He just looked, so, he just looked so cool. And, um, you know, I could have just ran up and stopped and taken a picture of him and, and kept walking. And maybe he would have had questions. What's this? why do he do that? What's this guy want? What, you know? Uh, was, was that an ill intent or did he like something about me? You know? So I, I just went up and started talking to him. Hey man, you play that thing pretty good. I like that. What kind of guitar is that? It's all about just kind of building a rapport goes back to our best buy days. You see what I'm saying here? So yeah. it's just like, you know, getting to know someone, even if it's for one minute of their life and uh, talking to them, you know, I'll see someone, uh, at the track and Hey man, that's a badass shirt and wave with one hand and, it, it just lets them know I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I have no ill intent. And, uh, I think that kind of comforts people. Sometimes I don't have time for any of that. Sometimes I just, especially in May, like at the speedway, I, I don't know, for some reason I lose, I lose my, uh, shyness, I guess you'll say. And I just will point a camera at someone and just take their picture and keep moving. But, um, 
Well, you look really official too when you're doing that at the track. I'm sure because I mean I've seen the photos yeah. of you that I have seen the few that I have. Like you definitely look like a track photographer. You're not some random dude with a camera. Yeah. You're not with a phone. Like hey, can I take your picture? That's <laughs> true. That I should creepy. think of that more. Um, but yeah, still at that point, I I guess I'm I'm an overthinker, man. I'm telling you, I I I'm wondering what people are thinking when I'm taking their picture, and uh, yeah. Sometimes but you also you want you want those pictures and Carl has done this to Dan and I I don't know how many times where pictures will show up and I'm like I didn't even know he was around yeah. me yes yeah. Like, yeah you know I didn't even know he was here kind of thing like that in the moment photo kind of things Dude, but I, um, you'd be surprised for being six five two thirty I'm pretty invincible uh, sometimes <laughs> I'm very sneaky for being big fair enough. I didn't realize you were that tall man uh, yeah yeah it's it's a long way down to get down there and take a knee and get those cockpit shots. <laughs> <laughs> so let's yeah. let's uh, let's ta- talk about how we ended up at indy i mean you know yeah. with, with it with with the speedway and with indy car i mean how does that transition happen yeah um so you know i originally was going to a school down in southern indiana going down there for a uh, uh a photography program like we mentioned earlier i i started teaching the class they were having me like teach help teach the class because i just nobody knew enough about it and i knew i wasn't learning the things i wanted to learn. And I, and, you know, I, at that point I knew I was going to, if I was going to stick around Indiana, I had to go to Indianapolis. I had to go to the biggest city with the most people and the most knowledge and the best schooling. So I started going to art school up here. Um, and you know, from there, part of the intent was also thinking in the back of my mind, Hey, it'd be cool to be near the speedway. Uh, because I, I did always have that in me that I, I was starting to think how cool it would be to be a race car photographer professionally. I mean, I can remember being at the race 18 years old and seeing the cars go by and shooting them with my camera and go, hey, I can't have this job here at the Speedway, but I know I can. Somebody else already has it. I thought that in my mind. I go, but I can have one like it one day. And, I, you know, I just knew Indianapolis was full of opportunity if I was going to be in Indiana. Came here, uh, had the, started, you know, going to school, uh, got the job there at Best Buy, had the book out, talked to everybody, you know, that came in. Well, here's what I did with this camera, or or here's what you can do with your camera. And it was loaded with a lot of race car pictures. So (laughs) finally, after years of waiting, I finally met that right person, you know, that said, hey, I know Ron McQueenie who runs the photography program at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. To me, that was like gold uh, because I had actually already been trying to get in the Speedway. I had been sending emails. I had been making phone calls that weren't getting returned. Emails weren't getting returned. I showed up three times in person with a portfolio trying to meet this guy. He was on the road. I didn't realize what all his schedule was. So to meet that person, uh, that was incredible. Sure enough, sent, uh, you know, her a link of images. She sent him to Ron and I got a phone call back a week later that was like, Hey, love your style. Uh, you know, why don't you come out and volunteer for us out at the track? So sure enough, May rolls around. I go out there and, uh, I really knew from right there. I was like, Oh man, they messed up. I messed. They let me in here. They're not getting, they're not going to get rid of me now, you know? So started volunteering for a couple years and, then was, you know, privileged enough to get on the $50 a day game, you know. Ooh. So back in 2010, uh, you know, that was uh, 
Hot, That's 50 more hot. than you didn't have. So yeah. yeah. Hot money yeah. for a 19 year old. So I was, uh, you know, did that and then, you know, started making more money and started to get more responsibilities. And sure enough, people, you know, quit, people moved on, people retired, moving my way up the ladder. And then in, uh, 2000, let's see, I guess it was 11, 12, somewhere in there, Ron decided to retire. And that point, that's, you know, when I got a phone call asking if I would, um, take the job as track photographer. I mean, and the, the gamble they had to take on me and I guess the potential someone saw because I was, I was 23 years old and to, to choose a 23 year old as the track photographer of the Indianapolis motor speedway and Indy 500 looking back sounds insane. But, um, you know, at that time, Mary Ellen Lascar, Brian Simpson, um, the folks that worked there trusted me and that, um, I'm forever grateful. Now you're not just the track photographer. You're in charge of all photo history, right? I mean, yeah, kind of with the so, track. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's a loaded title, man. A lot comes with that. Um, as manager of photo operations, also, you know, managing the, the vintage archive of the Indianapolis motor speedway that has photographs of really the neighborhood starting back from like late 1890s. Um, so obviously the manager of that, uh, the, the full plate of that falls on, uh, Joe Skabinski, who, uh, I work with, who is our archivist. So I, I work with him managing our department and he does a phenomenal job with, uh, making sure those images get to the magazines, museums, uh, books, uh, our own museum and our own social media pages. We have over uh, 4 million images in a uh, flame suppressant vault, basically. Uh, It's really something to see and couldn't do all that without Joe Skabinski. He's, he is the man that keeps all that straight, does a lot of the scanning for all of that. And uh, then Kendra Wilson and our, our shop, we actually have a also manage a photography gift shop that is open year round on the second floor of the museum up there where anyone can come in and kind of explore the visual history and leave with prints. That's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. For a race fan. Yeah. It's Something to see. You. If you end up at Indy, you gotta, gotta come check it out. It's, it's on the list. I mean, as, as a, as a lover of anything automotive, it's, it, I just haven't made it there yet. I don't know. Have you been there, Dan? Yeah. Okay. For a trade show though. Oh, okay. That's it. Well, yeah. like, I, I'll I, tell you this. Never, Once you come yes. to the race, be prepared to clear the calendar forever because, uh, it's quite, <laughs> I'm not playing. People tell you that and it's the truth. Once you come see it, first time those things go around, all 33 of them sucking air, uh, flying around each other, a bunch of darts on wheels. It's, it's incredible. And, uh, you'll never forget it and want to see it again. Is there a particular moment that you photograph that really stands out in your mind when you think about photographing cars? I'm sure there's several, but is there one or two that just like really jump out and a story that goes with them? I'm always curious what, what moments come to mind when you're capturing so many hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah, that is so tough. Um, you know, I think the moments that are actually the most fun for me are I don't know that it's even being at the racetrack. I think it's getting to do really neat things within my job that, uh, that has to do with the car racing. Like for instance, I really like, (laughs) 
Uh, this is gonna make me sound so bougie, but I really like flying on those private jets and taking pictures of uh, drivers giving their wives foot massages. <laughs> That's funny to me. Those are interesting. I really get off on the in-between moments that the, the normal fan doesn't get to see. And that's yeah. what I really Backside feel like when I kinda. shine. Yeah. And I really feel like that's my duty is to create a set of eyes for the fan on the places that they can't go. They're not allowed in the garage. I love shooting in the garage. They're not allowed in the mm. haulers. I like, you know, talking my way into one of the a team engineer meeting or, you know, going to the Kentucky Derby with Marcus Erickson on a private jet while they're having a drink and laughing. Like those are the moments I like those in-between moments. Really, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love the cars, and that's why I'm, I got involved. Um, and I think I do a good job with those. But uh, sometimes things that probably people wouldn't think are real flashy or maybe are a little boring are, are really my favorite moments. I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier. That I'm really starting to fall for the people. The cars are great. Don't get me wrong. But I really like the people of racing. We used to say we're we're a car show about people. Well, I think we do still say we that. Still yeah, say, we still say yeah, that. People ask us, like, yeah, you guys talk about cars? I'm like, no, we talk to people. Like, people, the cars are what brings are us together. Cars. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's not that's not why we're here. Speaking of, of a people that, oh, yeah. a, a mutual friend of ours, I mean, as Benjamin Peterson with uh, AJ Foyt Racing, I heard you got to do a little photo shoot with him. Yeah. Because this is his first year in Indy, and, and he wanted to kind of shoot with you before. Yeah, yeah, right. As soon as he, I think almost within the week or two of him, getting signed you know he was like i gotta get out there at the speedway you know take some pictures with chris so i uh we got together and you know cruised around the facility took him down to turn four and uh you know go, to go look at that take some photos looking back onto the pagoda we went down to turn one uh stopped on the yard of bricks checked out the pit lane and actually it was really cool for him um because if i remember this right I don't think he got to run the Freedom 100 when Indy NXT Indy Lights used to run on the oval. So that was like his one of his first times getting to walk out on the oval. Um, I remember kind of seeing a look in his eyes, you know, being like, "Okay, this, you know, this is the banking. This is what it's like." So that was a kind of a neat moment. We made some really cool pictures of him that day. Good. You got to see him seeing it for the first time, which is incredible. Yeah. 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 Good dude awesome. and a good team, and uh, I think everything's going to be coming together quite nicely there. As, One of the nicest people ever meet, too. Right, yeah, yes. super nice yeah. guy. As you've gone around and met so many people over the years, uh, is there anybody who stuck out with you or wasn't totally what you expected at all or somebody who blindsided you? I'm always curious. Yeah, man. Um, the stories you can share. Yeah, we, we want I the people I that are the true Packer heads. We I'll, don't want the nice ones. Look, I'll go ahead and tell you. <laughs> she's never going to listen to this. I did a shoot. <laughs> Oh, where do I start? So I had a studio day with Danica Patrick. Okay. Why did I know that name was coming? You said she's never going to listen to this. And this was her final 500. And, you know, I had been warned that she could be tough. And I said, you know, I'm, oh man, I'm so silly. I'm so stupid. I go, oh yeah, I'm just going to talk her. I'm going to talk her right through it. I'm going to smooth her over. So we start to do the studio shoot. The first thing she says to me when we get in there, she goes, where's my fan? And I go, your fan? And she's like, my air, my fan. I have, I have a fan that points up me. I said, Danica, I got three fans downstairs. I could have brought a fan. Nobody told me you needed a fan. I'm like, I'm going to go right over this, okay? So 
Then we start shooting. I go, okay, I need you to turn a little bit here to the side, a little this way. And she goes, no, no, no. She goes, I know all the poses. She's like, I'm going to go through my poses and you tell me when you're done. I go, ooh, okay. So <laughs> it was tough. We went through there and, um, you know, the, the really the funniest part was I think at that point, you know, she came over to look at my photos. And I said, you see, like, they're really nice. You look really good, Danica. And she goes, well, that's fine, but I don't care what you think. Okay. <laughs> I go, all right. Uh, so, you know, from there, she had somebody do something with her hair. She turned. It's really cool. I don't think you're a very good driver. Yeah. yeah well, she turned. <laughs> like you don't care what something. I think. When you said fan, I just assumed you meant your only fan. Your only fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One so fan. She, yeah. She goes. She turns to say something to her makeup person right whenever they were hitting the button on the aerosol hairspray and just blasted oh. her right in her face with aerosol spray. <laughs> Karma. And, um, <laughs> so from there, you know, we were kind of trying to cruise through it. We threw out a couple. Um, we threw out a couple of things we were going to do with her just to kind of get it over with. And then after all of that, and we're down on, you know, me and Joe, Joe helps me with everything and is, is incredible. And him and I remember looking at him like, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. And he just was nodding his head. Yep. Uh, once we were all done, I looked at him, I'm like, oh my God, we made it through. And I'm like feeling all down on her. I'm like, damn, she was like kind of snippy, right? She then looks at us and she goes, you know, you guys are really good. You guys cruised <laughs> through this really fast and you guys did a really good job. And, um, and then looks over. <laughs> us? Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, we're just yeah. like, ah. okay. But anyway, <laughs> I got asked mm, about a year ago to work on something they're like yeah would you want it was not for work it was kind of her doing another project and they got a hold of me and they said will you uh we need you to come and do some studio shots today i go no i'm good i'm all right on that i'll pass <laughs> up on that um but yeah i tell you that because uh oh hell i don't know i just assume she's not running indy car anymore she said she's not uh so yeah. that's that well, i'll give you that one um, I mean, and, and to your point about her saying, I know all the poses, like the point of a photographer is to create something that hasn't been done. Anybody can see Danica sitting on the front wheel of an IndyCar. We've all seen it. I mean, she's done. I mean, I know the poses she's talking about because she does. And it's funny because now that you say that, I, I, she does the same poses and everything. That's how which she wants to look. You kind of can't blame yeah. her for that. I, I get it. She knows yeah. she's probably thing, been but, in front of a mirror, um, just like anybody yeah. in entertainment is, knows how she wants to look, but it sent us instantly into safe mode we're just like locked up we're like yep. get it let's get it done let's get it done cool. yep. just we kind of just scrapped it we're just like get it done um but <laughs> click and move on that, click we, and move on <laughs> despite all that we actually really did get some pretty pretty kick-ass photos of her um and she used them for stuff and i'm not That's like cool. saying she was the worst in the world it's just a funny one she was really on one that day um that's one of my famous ones uh my hey i got one that's not even about me but joe will love this Here's a driver. Uh, so <laughs> whenever you guys remember when Fernando Alonso did make the Indy 500. Yes. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, my right hand man, best friend, Joe Skabinski at the track, uh, staff photographer, archivist. He was on that, like a fly on shit. He followed, <laughs> he ran with Fernando and like, just kept up with him the whole time. 
And finally they get (laughs) Joe like gets in the elevator with him and his PR person. They're going up to the media center to do the press conference. And Fernando starts like losing his cool. He's like, I don't want to do this. I just missed the race. And this is the worst day ever. And then he points at Joe and he goes, and this fucking guy. So we refer to Joe as this fucking guy sometimes. Fucking guy. <laughs> so Fair done. enough. That's that's part of that's kind of the fun of you know getting to spend so much time with the drivers and getting to know them. Uh, yeah, you get these little stories, and it's it's fun yeah. to have them. You know, funny you mentioned that thing about Danica. We have we've had guests who like they they almost have an only way they do this. Like they've done so many of these. We prefer people who haven't done a lot of podcasts. Honestly, if you get somebody who's really seasoned. They're either really good and they just let it flow. They have no filter. They don't care. They're just having fun. Or you get the opposite where they are just like, this is a, I'm on an interview. This is what I talk about. These are my sponsors. This is how it has to sound. And they just, it sounds like I'm talking to a robot. Oh. I'm like, thanks for joining us. <laughs> I want to well, and we always throw people, we throw people off because we don't have questions. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't sit there. I mean, some people are like, I forgot who it was that sent it to me. There was a PR person that's like, we need the questions ahead of time. And I'm like, um, I don't know them until I ask them. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. color. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Potato. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My I wanted to give you yeah. something. I knew you would want a couple juicy, juicy no, nuggets. There. I mean, <laughs> oh, appreciate it. I yeah. mean, what's something that you haven't shot that you want to shoot? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I what do you thought, want to be when you grow up? As I always say, <laughs> I haven't thought about it in a while, but uh, I know I do know there is a handful of things I really, once again, love racing. I really want to shoot the Tour de France. I want to take some pictures of oh, bike wow. racing. Okay. I really want to uh, running of the bulls. Uh, this is the, is it the emotion one. you really want to capture. What's that? Is it the emotion that you want to capture? Is that the appeal of those or just the the event itself? Yeah, I think I would do it in my style. I think I'd get some really nice profiles of faces. I think I could probably do what we do with car racing and show the speed. I'm picturing bikes shooting by at really slow shutter speeds, making them all blurry. I'm seeing the same mm-hmm. thing with the bulls. I'm seeing the fear in faces uh, you know, from people chasing them. I'm seeing uh, cheers and screams on the faces of fans at, at the tour. Um, I think all of it. I'd really like to do those. Um, another one would be, this is funny. I, I, this just hit me randomly. <laughs> um, on Thanksgiving day, you know, I'm sitting around with the family and we're doing our thing. And the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade <laughs> was mm. on TV and they were showing these pictures of it from 60 years ago, 70 years ago, these old black and whites, you know, of everybody dressed up in yeah. their finest and this crappy ass balloon that's supposed to look like Snoopy that hardly does and all of this. And I'm like, you know what? I, I have working for the Speedway and the 500. I gathered such a knack for history. I really like to photograph historical events now because to someone, to a group of people that work for the Thanksgiving day parade, that is their Indy 500, a hundred percent. And I think it's neat to document those kind of things for fans of it, that that's their favorite day of the year. Um, as well as, you know, the people that work there, uh, music festival too. I just went to Bonnaroo last weekend and the whole time, all I wanted to do was just like run around and photograph stuff. 
That's all I wanted to do. Like, I loved the concerts. I, I, and I was into quite a few of them, but there was times I was just like, Oh, I just want to go shoot these crazy looking fans. And I just want to go shoot, you know, this band on stage. So. Sure. I will say a couple of things growing up. The one thing, the one sport I followed all the time was the tour de France and Greg Lamont. So I love that. And two, I love running in the bulls. And I think, and this is an idea Nobody ever shoots photos of the bulls. Like they get photos of the people, but you never get some candid photos of the bulls. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've and I've seen there was a photographer that years ago I saw it was on ESPN or something and was was shooting and he was that was his purpose was to take photos of the bulls. I mean, and and you know it, it might have been a bull with somebody's butt on a horn, but it was a picture of the bulls. Yeah. See, I can thing, picture so. that too. I'm I'm that yeah. kind of stuff I'm seeing. That's yeah, great. That's cool. I think that's really cool that you th- you're thinking that way. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I I wish I had a talent for photography, and I, I've tried several times. Not enough to say that I could uh, like gave it a real try. I have, I have iPhone talent, right? Phone and, and it's like it's one of those things I've always wanted to do, and have never had the time or the budget for. I guess, dude. And I know I could just start with a starter DSLR and do it, but man, I'm, it's so easy. You could so do it. Buried. There's so many of these photographers that they run around. They're like, oh, this is the hardest thing in the world. Carl does it. Anybody can do it. True. There you go. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. Carl tried to teach me photography. Do you remember he loaned oh, yeah. me his son? Yeah. It did not go. I tried. And and I mean, the one thing I learned that Carl taught me was that the fact that you pick your background and you wait for the foreground to happen. And I think that's how he gets all those shots of us where he's just creepy in a bush. But um, yeah. <laughs> it's not the ghillie suit. Carl's listening to this. He can't say things. anything, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should give it another shot, man. It's super easy. And don't let anybody tell you it's not. Especially the yeah. best the best way to get a good photo is put something interesting in front of you. I'm at a racetrack. Everything is interesting the cars and all that it is so easy to get good pictures and i don't understand it when people are like this is so hard well i mean i think it's you know like you said once you learn everything it's like you were rambling off when you were talking about it being class as far as light and iso and all that thing i think once you learn what those things are i still don't know just so we're clear (laughs) i think then you know you'll learn it's no different than going i don't know what that engine but then somebody breaks it down for you and talks about carburetors and exhaust and things like you learn it so do you still have your finger on the pulse of the technology are you i mean of like the of all the brands um i gotta be honest no and in fact i think you would be shocked at how little how little I do know about all of it to still get some of the results I'm able to. Um, huh. I meet a lot of guys that, and, and I know a couple of guys here in Indianapolis that are just straight up tech guys. And I would really say, in my opinion, they're better at understanding the gear than even using it where I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, that's, I've, we've I'm driving to like a go-kart, about that. man. <laughs> I mean, a camera's camera like not going to take a good photo unless there's somebody behind it you know, pointing it in the right direction. Right. So, you know, but I mean, there are technically good photographers where they can take a very technically good photo, okay. but if they can't like draw in the emotion behind it or like, it's just a really good picture. Like if you want to do like a stock photography of a car, like for an ad, it's mm-hmm. a totally different style of photography. I understand that. We've talked to Carl about that, where it's just like some people can take an amazing photo, like technically all, everything's focused perfectly and they've got just the right angle, but it's, uh, it's sort of stagnant. Yeah. versus the artist comes out when they really cat like you feel something looking at the photo i think the one thing and carl introduced me to this too in and we did it with the cars was light painting that oh, was yeah. something I, I never knew and we did it at a studio here out in uh north bend and we did it with the the, the peter's porsche and, and the triumph that is such an incredible art because i looked at i look at a photo before and i go oh that's really that's just great lighting but it's like no what it takes to sit in a dark room while somebody runs around the light bar and your camera's totally open i think is, is the phrase yeah. and you know that's such a cool thing to me so yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's the cool thing with photography is you, those different techniques and you you never what I love about it is you can never learn it all. You'll never learn it all. You can spend your whole life doing it and I and you'll never learn it all. Um and then, you know, you're talking about technical stuff. I never strive for any kind of technical excellence. I strive to make something look interesting. I've never had a client where I've given them anything and had them go at the end now. Wait a minute. How did you do this? Did you do it the right way? They don't care. They don't care about any of that. They just care what it looks yeah, like. And exactly. um, you really Which lens were you using, young man? Yeah. yeah. And, and you really, yeah. once you know the rules, you're able to break them. And I never strive to do anything right. I strive to make things look cool. Uh, I like to do things two ways. I like to do documentation, which is just a picture of two race car drivers, maybe looking at each other, smiling or laughing. That's just documentation. But then I like to also go out on track and get, you know, real weird with it and shoot a bunch of low shutter speeds and use prisms and mirrors and shoot it too bright or shoot it too dark or shoot through something. Um, you know, the, the image doesn't always have to be sharp. Sometimes the blur is what makes it cool. Sometimes it's cool because it's super sharp. It's really just about what feels right in that moment. And, I will say technical ability is never one thing that ever crosses my mind. See, we learned something right there. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Right on. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us today. It's been great talking with you, and I hope we run into you. If you're ever up in our area, I know you travel a lot for work. Yep. We would love to say hello. Um, let Carl know, and we will, you know, take us up on that because yeah. I'd love to have you around. I would. So, I would I mean, love to. And the same to you guys. Let me know whenever you end up here in Indianapolis at the Speedway and, uh, whether that's race time or not, I'd love to, you know, give you a tour and show you around the track. And, uh, yeah. I, I oddly travel through there relatively often. I have family across the countries and I like to drive. So I've been through in Indiana several times. So I'll just fly in and meet you there. Be Sounds easier. great. Yeah. So. yeah. No, but let yeah, if you're up this really. way, let me know. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate it, Chris. Uh, thank you for, you know, and as uh, we'd love to have you come back and check in with us, uh, you know, maybe next year and, and kind of talk about the sport and some other things that we may not have touched on today. Well, oh, I do have to ask one yeah, question okay. before we go. I was going to go, but oh, what, what are you driving? I always yeah. ask every guest and I always want to know, what are you driving? Uh, right now I have a uh, Scion FRS. So, you know, the upgraded model is the Toyota 86. Um, yep. Yep. Now that they're not Great making car. Scion. And it is my favorite thing I have ever driven in the world. This thing is wow! That's dude, awesome. Listen, I'm telling you, like I've I've got to drive, uh, you know, like our Corvette pace cars and stuff, and those things are powerhouses. But like, man, there's nothing cooler than just like absolutely throwing this thing into a turn. It handles so awesome, and it's rear wheel drive. I can break the wheels loose. I can. Uh, it's a big go car, and I turn really hard and really fast, <laughs> and I love it. I love it. Good. I love yeah. that passion. That's so great. I was really hoping for a guy that's six five. He was going to say Miata, but we're going to go with that. You know what? So, I'm sure uh, they're the yeah. same size, and I don't fit in it. But I wasn't going to, you know, I can't. I can't yeah. drive in that car more than like three hours. I'm like, okay, I'm. <laughs> but you love it. I yeah. love it to death. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, like I said, we want to have you back on uh, to talk about some of the things we didn't touch on this time. So, Hey, thanks for uh, having thank me. You. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah. For this episode of the Avance Podcast, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.